rewarding careers, experiences of a lifetime. Explore Travel PT at ariusmedical.com. A-U-R-E-U-S-Medical.com. NPTE StudyCast. Welcome to NPTE StudyCast. I'm Jimmy McKay, your host. Along with me on this ride as we take a look inside the actual test of the NPT is Will Crane of PT Final Exam. Will, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks so much, Jimmy. I love chatting with you. It's fun talking about the NPT. Really exciting to see people succeed and get through to the other side. Yeah, there is something on the other side. I know you think about it for three (laughs) years on that side of it, but there is something on the other side of it, and we're going to help you get there. Any information about Will's classes can be found at PT finalexam.com. And in this episode, we want to look at what you'll actually be looking at, the structure of the test. How is it formatted? You want to make sure you have this mapped out so you're prepared for it and nothing is a surprise on test day. Where do you usually start in terms of explaining the structure of the test to people, Will? The idea that they are all multiple choice questions. Each question is a standalone item, not vignette. There's no story problems. There's no paragraph followed by four questions, nothing like that. Each item is a standalone item that when you're in the Prometric Testing Center taking the test, it will be a new screen for every question. You'll see the question, you'll submit your answer, and move on to the next question on the next screen. And again, idea is that you are answering 250 standalone multiple choice questions. All right. So for every question, are there the same amount of possible answer choices? Yes, absolutely. So there are four answer options on each multiple choice item with only one most correct item or the correct item, what they call the key, and then three incorrect items. And typically these incorrect items have hints of the truth or some people erroneously think that they're like multiple correct answers. That's not not the case. There might be some nugget of truth kind of hidden in some of these incorrect answers. But if you walk in with the mindset saying that there is only one absolutely correct answer here. That'll go a long way to helping you on test day to save a little bit of that anger. A lot of people come out with a lot of anger for the test. Sure. <laughs> Why? Just you're on the mission to find the correct answer. So we've got multiple choice, uh, four choices for each uh, question, 250 questions. And how are those structured? All right. So great question. And we were talking about this before. We both had experiences with others who they erroneously thought there were a different number of sections than there actually are. And so On the PT exam, NPTE, there are 250 items uh, over five sections. So five sections, 50 questions each, 250 total. If you have the normal number of digits on your hand, you can look at it and say, okay, there are five sections on this exam. Now, the reason that's important is because each section is essentially a standalone exam, meaning that you must complete that section, submit it, and you'll never see it again, and you'll move on to the next section. Five 50-question block that must be answered And then you must submit each section before moving on to the next one. All right. So within one of those sections, you can tag questions if you wanted to come back to them within a section. That's right, right? Yeah. So on the test, for your purposes, this is merely for your convenience navigating through the test. You have a couple of things that you can do. So obviously, you can mark the option that you feel is the most correct. And I tell people, no matter what, no matter what, always mark down an answer. Even if you don't have any idea what the answer is, there's no penalty for guessing, mark down an answer. Okay, so you have two options. You can strike through items. And so by striking through, essentially what you're doing is just, again, for your convenience, if you feel that one or two or three of the options are incorrect, you can strike through them and it helps just mentally so you can visualize the question and and most people can narrow it down to two. They strike through two of them. They say, okay, it's between these two and the strike through function is just for your convenience. It has no bearing on your score. Now, the other thing you can do is something called mark or flag your question. So to mark an item, 
simply, again, it has no bearing on your score. But within that section, after you finish a section, you can go back and review the marked items that you want to review. So let's say you're going through your exam and the first question you're doing okay, two, three, four. But question five, you're like, ah, you know, I wish I could, I just need to look at that a little more and I got that. So you mark it for further review and you get to the end of that section, you can go back and view the marked items and spend a little more time on the marked items. Now, my advice there is mark very judiciously. Spend a lot of time looking at the item the first time. You have about 72 seconds per item. So let's say you spend a minute, full minute looking at the item and you put down your best guess. You're like, oh, I need some more time there. You come back and you spend another minute on it. You've spent almost double the amount of time, which takes away from other questions. So again, Mark very judiciously is my suggestion there. This is not phone a friend. You're not yeah. going to get any extra information by marking it, but but it is good if you just needed an extra minute. But let's say it is question five and you know you've got 50, right? 50 in a section. So you want right, to keep moving. Right. So yeah, so those two suggestions there, by all means, mark it, but mark judiciously. But before you leave, make sure you put down an answer because yeah. you're not penalized for incorrect. An so where do you go next after the, the structure of the 250 divided by five sections? So I should just make mention of the time. So standard time is one hour per section, five hours total. Now I say standard time because it is possible to get test accommodations, but if you have a learning disability or you have some sort of documented testing issue, and it has to be documented, if you have a learning disability, you can apply for test accommodations, which the most common of which is to get time and a half on the exam. For the rest of us, just plan on five hours, five sections, 50 questions each. Okay, as far as where I go next when I talk about the structure of the exam, there is something called a scheduled break after section two. So between any of the sections, you have submitted that 50 question section. You can never see it again. It is gone, totally gone. After section two, the clock stops. There's screen prompts on this. As you're going through the test, we'll give you a screen prompt. You have now arrived at the end of section two where you're now at your scheduled break. 15 minutes of the clock stopped while you go on your scheduled break. This is typically the bathroom break during the middle of the exam. Bathroom break, quick snack, quick drink of water, and then you're back in it. Because remember, once that 15 minutes has expired, then the the test clock begins again, whether you're sitting in your seat or not. Always good to know what's coming so you're not surprised by any of these parts. Now, just as an FYI, this is for emergency use only, you know, break glass in case of emergency sort of a thing. You are allowed to take a break, an unscheduled break, between any of the sections where the test clock does not stop. But if you absolutely have to hit the bathroom and you know you can't hold it any longer, you can submit the section because you can't leave midsection. Absolutely cannot leave midsection. They won't let it. They'll invalidate your test, your test results. You must submit a section. You can run to the bathroom, run back. But remember, the clock is ticking. And the reasoning behind you not leaving midsection is you've been exposed to content. They don't want anybody to be able to, be able to go out and look up any specific answers right. to questions. But in between sections, you've already submitted a section and you haven't been exposed to that next uh, group of 50 questions. That's when you could take an unscheduled break if it's, if it's not in between section two and three. Exactly. I guess a little bit about the exam itself. On any given exam day, there's somewhere between five and 10 versions of the exam out there. It speaks to that point that you just mentioned. It prevents cheating so that even if you're sitting in the testing center right next to your best buddy, both taking the NPT the same day, you will be taking an entirely separate form of the exam, entirely separate and distinct group of questions. So there's no crossover, so you can't cheat. They go to great lengths to make sure that, you, that this is a valid exam and that you can't just cheat your way through the things. All right, so let's just talk briefly about the scoring. 50 of the items on the test are what they call pre-test items. They're not scored. Essentially, they're just rolling them out in a test environment 
to make sure they are valid questions. And so they look to see, okay, do people who pass the test get the questions right? And do people who fail the test get the questions wrong? One of the myths is that they put all 50 of those items in one section, and that's not true. They, they're randomly spaced throughout. Anyway, so back to the point, only 200 of the items are scored and are used to determine your score for licensure. You must achieve what they call a scaled score of 600 out of 800. Now, the reason this this wonky 600 out of 800 score exists is because there are multiple forms of the exam. So they can't just give you the raw score. But the 600 out of 800 scale score is simply a way to make equivalent all the different versions of the exam. If, for instance, one version of the exam was slightly more difficult or trended statistically to be a little bit more difficult than, say, another version of the exam, essentially they're making all of the exam attempts equivalent regardless of which form you took. To achieve a 600 out of 800 scale score, most passing scores these days are trending somewhere around the 70% mark, so 137, 139, 140 out of the 200 items, sometimes a little lower, sometimes a little higher. Again, it depends a bit on the exact exam form, but bottom line, if you can get above 70%, you're usually in really good shape for passing the exam. All right, excellent. All right, so anything else on uh, on this these particular topics that we could we should cover? Biggest thing is that there's no penalty for guessing. Always put an answer down, no matter what. Total guess doesn't matter. Put something down, no penalty, and you might just get it right. Yeah, I'm not a mathematician, but hey, one in four chance, I'll take those odds on a guess every yeah. time. <laughs> that's right, exactly right. Love that. All right, so let's take a look at the structure of tests and scoring in this uh, second part of our series on taking a look inside the NPTE with Will Crane from PTFinalExam.com. Download free study guides now at ariusmedical.com slash NPTE studycast. A-U-R-E-U-S medical.com slash NPTE studycast. Rewarding careers, experiences of a lifetime. Explore travel PT at ariusmedical.com. NPTE studycast. Brewed by the PT Pinecast.